welcome in everybody. It's Dr. Tim Brown, your host for Farmcast for the Community, as always sponsored by the University of Georgia's College of Pharmacy. I want to take a minute and say thank everybody for this past year. We just ended our academic year in May and our students have graduated and go on to residencies in their careers and it's been an incredible, amazing uh, 12 months, truthfully, from last year to this year. But I'm going to take a little break over the summer. We're going to regroup on the Farmcast, looking at different ways to bring you more information starting in September, as our students come back to us in August and September to start their year. Uh, but until we get to then, I have one last podcast I wanted to do, and I really wanted to center it around men's health. Back in November, Dr. Young and I got together and talked about this with Dr. Coburn, and we talked about men's health, and it's called Movember back in November. It was really about preventive health. However, most people don't realize that June, while also Pride Month for LGBTQ population, I want to do something with men's health, which I think we could include everybody in this that, that certainly identifies uh, as a man and talk about what we should be doing to keep ourselves healthy. Because let's face reality sometime, guys. We don't do the best <laughs> at, at watching what we do. We rely on people around us to sort of keep us on track. And sometimes we need a little bit of a push. And to help me do that, and picking back up from where we were in November, Dr. Henry Young is back with me today. Dr. Young, how are you? I am doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast today. I loved having you guys. It was such a great conversation. Can you yes. remind the audience about your role at UGA and a little bit about your background? Yes, so I am a department head and an associate professor in the clinical and administrative pharmacy department here uh, at the University of Georgia College of Pharmacy. Uh, I'm a behavioral and social scientist uh, as, as my background, my expertise is in health services uh, and my research interests really center in on uh, studying medication use, how folks use medications safely and appropriately um, health communication and interactions with healthcare professionals, as well as uh, health outcomes. And I particularly like to focus in on minority and underserved populations. Thank you. And I actually want to talk a little bit, I, as I grouped all men under one umbrella, I do want to talk a little bit about different populations and different ethnicities, because there are stigmas and stereotypes that we need to break apart here. Um, one of the things I was reading as I got ready for you and I to speak is I didn't, I don't think I knew this. But I knew men didn't live as long as women, but I didn't realize that that gap is widening, that men yes. are dying at a much younger age and women are dying at a much older age. So that the gap between the sexes has widened. Why yes. is that? Yeah, you know, there are a couple of different factors. And I think some of the top um, ones that are up there on the, on the board are cardiovascular disease, heart disease, uh, cancers and unintentional injuries. So, oh, so can we talk a little bit about cardiovascular disease for a minute? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think, you know, cardiovascular is this big, long word. People are like, what? I'm fine. <laughs> really, if you take that, it's, it's like heart disease and strokes and cholesterol and blood, all the things that we do every day we're worried about, but we just don't realize it falls under that big old umbrella of cardiovascular disease, which is yes. a, a very, very broad term. So I know this right now. We talk a lot about cardiovascular disease and the different sexes, but men have a higher incidence of heart attacks and strokes and those. Why is that? What are the risk factors that men have that women don't? Well, so I, you know, I want to go to uh, you know what we tend to term as uh, healthy behaviors. Right? Oh, okay. Uh, 
All right. So, you know, when when we we do things, you know, we, we might not eat the best. Uh, we, we might not have as much physical activity as we need to have. Uh, but we also may not go and, you know, do and enact regular kind of healthcare type things. You know, we, we, we may not go to the doctor as often. Uh, we may not get, you know, the, the screenings and, and get the, the, the checks that we need. You know, we know we take our cars in to get oil changes. We know they have maintenance. Right. We, we, we may not perform the maintenance for ourselves. That's you know, we, we need our, our blood pressure uh, uh, read to have that information. We need yep. to know uh, what our cholesterol is. We, we need to know, you know, how our blood sugar is working. These are all those uh, specific parameters uh, within ourselves to, to tell us how we're doing. Um, and, and we need to go and do that in, in annual wellness checks. I have to admit, I hate it. I go every October and, and my, the, my primary care physician is a nice, wonderful, great guy, but I know he's going to order me to go to the lab. So now I got time out of my day. I got to go sit in the lab. Then they got to poke my arm and they take like 9,000 vials. And I'm like, why can't yes. you just use one? And then I have to wait a week to hear if the good news or the bad news. Did that cheeseburger from McDonald's show up? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's scary. I think the one thing that you said that really hits home with me, though, is it's maintenance, right? I need to know if I'm doing something wrong or if something's kind of out of whack so it can be addressed as early as possible so it doesn't lead to complications. Like you said, if there's not enough oil in the car, eventually it's going to impact the engine. That's Absolutely. Really so, so, you know, using that uh, analogy, right? So it's good for us to change the oil now because if we don't change the oil and we continue letting that oil go and get bad, we're going to have to change the engine later on down the road. Yeah. And we know that changing that engine is a whole lot more expensive than if we would have just got our oil changed earlier. So those 15 minutes sitting there waiting for your labs is far better than the six weeks you're laid up after your heart attack. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. You know, I don't think a lot of people realize this. There are actually scoring systems to kind of yeah. tell you what your risk looks like. I, mm -hmm. These make me so uncomfortable because I'm like, oh, gosh, what? Because it actually predicts when they think your percentage of when you might pass away compared to the next guy standing beside you that's the same age. Yeah. Can, can we talk about that? I think most primary care docs talk about this, but they don't really explain it to people. Yeah. So that risk, there's a, a, a risk out there, uh, a system is called the ASCVD uh, score, uh, atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. And I know I'm bad with those fancy names and I'm going to butcher them, right? It's predicting, how, it's predicting the chance for your vessels to throw something and cause a heart attack or stroke, basically, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's what that means, that a, that arteriosclerotic stuff. That's what that means. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And it, you know, it, it's based upon certain risk factors Okay. because over time, you know, we have enough data to where we can go back and we can say, Hey, what are those risk factors? that impact these cardiovascular events, these heart attacks, right? So, you know, we look at things such as age, uh, race, uh, gender, uh, how much cholesterol, overall cholesterol. You know, cholesterol, you got two different LDL and HDL. Yeah. The ADL is that bad stuff. We need that bad stuff down. Right. Um, 
blood pressure is there, right? Uh, our use of medications for blood pressure, our use of medications for diabetes, if we have diabetes, right? Right. If and also diabetes, smoking. Yeah, smoking. So, you know, that's diabetes is a big, if, and I think I read a statistic once that 40% of people who have type 2 diabetes would not have it if they lost weight or their diet changed a little bit. No, we go back to know that that's that those are those healthy behaviors. Holy cow. I mean, uh -huh. imagine if your diabetes this year, but you lost weight and all of a sudden you didn't have your high sugars. And imagine the the relief of not having to deal with that. And then you said smoking, one of the, the biggest modifiable risk factors we all have. And I think everybody's like, oh, I gave up cigarettes. I only vape now. No, vape, yeah. Vaping's no. just as bad. If it has nicotine in it, it has nicotine in it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know. As a pharmacist, I have I have to really break this in for a second because you talked a little bit about LDL and blood pressure. And there are medications that really truthfully, if you're diagnosed with those, they have shown to prolong your life if you take them. So, you know, a good example, we talked about blood pressure. Do we have some medications out there like beta blockers, which is metoprolol or ACE inhibitors, which is like enalapril, um, even hydrochlorothiazide, which is a water pill. Those have actually shown that if you keep your blood pressure less than 130 over 80, you live longer. Yes. But but I'm going to ask this question if you're as bad as I am. Do you remember your medications every day? Because I have to sit mine. I, I had to take three things. And so it's not, but I have to sit them out in the morning when I walk downstairs. Otherwise, I have to admit, if I'm on vacation and my day's off whack, I I have to catch myself. That you, I mean, so, you know, I'm smiling because, you know, that's one of my passions, right? That's, how, that's how do we true. help, yeah, yeah. you know, improve that safe and appropriate use of medications? And, you know, one of the concepts that you're, you're keying in on is what we call medication adherence, right? Taking that medication as we're supposed to. It's not going to work if we don't take it. So one of the things we have to do is, you know, we know ourselves. We have to try to figure out what sort of barriers we may encounter, which will prevent us from taking these medications. Yeah, I get that. Right. And then we have to develop little systems, little tricks for us. You know, I'm, I take a, a medication. I have, I have hypertension, right? So I have to remind myself, hey, where am I going to put this medication so I can see it in the morning, um, you know, on my daily routine? You know, other folks might have other barriers. You know, it might be cost, right? So we have to find, you know, strategies to, to help folks overcome those barriers. You know, when we're using medications to treat these underlying conditions, you know, we need, we need to know kind of like three areas. So A, what is this medication? What are we using it for, right? B, how do we use it, yeah. right? And then three, what are some of the things that we can expect? So, you know, how is it supposed to work? Is it lowering? Is it, am I getting the outcomes that I want to get? Right. Uh, but then also, what are some of the, the things that we need to look out for? Some of those side effects yeah. that, that may come into play. And then have that open communication with our pharmacists, Great. with our doctors uh, about, you know, how we're using these medications and, and is it being effective? Well, it's funny because when I was in practice in primary care, I would start a new medication and I would say to the patient, here's what you can expect. I'm not trying to scare you, but I don't want you to come back in two weeks from now and go, Dr. Brown, I hate your guts. That right. this, this, I, I want to prepare you. And if it doesn't happen, awesome. If it does happen, then you know that it was meant to be and it's not causing something that wasn't expected. Yes. You said something earlier that sort of resonates with me too is when you're talking about these things and how to take them and sort of having your own triggers, a lot of these things don't hurt. 
Like I can't feel my high blood pressure necessarily. I certainly can't feel my LDL being elevated. Now, if you have sugars, that's a little bit different. You can feel that. But a lot of people, you know, don't think about taking medication because it doesn't hurt or inconvenience them. But if I have heartburn, I'm going to take a heartburn medication to get rid of it, right? If my big toe hurts, I'm going to take a Tylenol. But I can't feel my blood pressure. So sometimes that doesn't really play into a trigger, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, you know. Yeah, go ahead, please. And, you know, that's that's all a, a part of being that active participant in your care, right? You know, your, your, your healthcare providers and professionals, um, they only see you, but so often you are going to have to be your own self-manage, self-manager of your health and your healthcare. Yeah. And you, have um, to be, so, you know, you said about cost, you're going to have to be the person that speaks up and says, listen, 10 bucks a month, I can't pull this off. And, absolutely. and just say it. I mean, because absolutely. if you don't say it, no one has a clue. Right. It's funny, I had to go this morning to my to one of my doctors and the copay was astronomical. And I I prepare for it, I save for it, I walk in the door knowing it. But at some point, you know, I could call and go, that's not gonna work for me. What 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 can we do? Do you want to talk to me over the phone? Can I tell you what's going on? Because sometimes it's gas in my car or food on my table, and we don't have money. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. And if it's not bothering me, why do I need to buy a drug? That's my dad says it's well, if it, if I can't feel it, I'm fine. I don't need, I don't need anything for that. It's so hard getting that through to him. Yeah. That preventive thing that you talked about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's often challenging for us to, if we're not feeling it, if it's not here and now, um, oftentimes we have to experience things through others' eyes. We call it vicariously living. Um <laughs> in order for us to realize that, hey, you know, this is, is something that we're going to have to, to, you know, take care of. So can I ask a personal question? Yes. You, mind? you mentioned you had high blood pressure. Yeah. Now, as a black man, mm-hmm. your risk for strokes and heart attacks and even kidney disease is higher than someone who isn't black. Absolutely. Does that, and does that drive you to be better it, about taking your medications? It, it does, but I'm, I'm going to, throw in another factor on top of it yeah family history Uh, got it so my dad uh, he was uh, obese he had high blood pressure he was a diabetic he had mental health issues he had heart failure he had kidney disease uh what else uh he had some lung function stuff because he was a smoker got it um, you know, I call it the classic African-American comorbidities. So seeing him and, and he was an alcoholic and drug addict. So he had, he had substance use, substance, uh, use disorder. Uh, so seeing him and living vicariously through him, I saw some of the challenges, some of the struggles that he went through. Uh, my, my dad passed away, um, at an early age. Uh, so that really impacted, Hey, I I need to take care of myself. I I need to walk. I need to go to the gym. I need to exercise. I need to get out. I need to do something that'll take my mind away. Right. Right. Um, because that mental health component is something serious. Right. And, you know, mentally, when you're mentally healthy, it's easier to be physically healthy, right? Because you can focus. That's a really good point. And, And, you know, 
family history is, I don't think people ought to think about family history and history repeating itself, but the way your grandparents died or the way your parents may have passed away, that actually could have an impact on what takes you out on this world. Absolutely. And none of us want to think about that, right? Because we don't want to think about our own mortality, but you know, yeah. and so it's, it's a big deal. I was, we were talking about meds earlier. And I think one of the meds that, that I hear people say they don't take a lot are statins like, um, Lipitor, Crestor, Atorvastatin, all those kinds for cholesterol. I don't know if people realize that the amount of data out there about how they actually make you live longer is it's pretty astounding. Yes, it is. My grandfather and great grandfather didn't have statins, you know, and they both died of heart attacks. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have a drug that would lower their cholesterol. It wasn't around. Right. You're right. Family history plays a role. And then we have to say to ourselves, I have an iPhone. My granddad didn't. I can call Uber Eats at 3 a.m. if I'm hungry. My grandfather couldn't. The same is true for medical technology, right? We have drugs now that, so we're throwing it away if we don't take advantage of it. Use the technology. Yeah. Use what we have. And drugs are technology, right? It's scientific stuff that goes into the, you know, those little pills. Um, I'd say the cell phone is a perfect example. Do you remember um, way back when, when we had to go to AAA and get the maps out and plot out our trip on the map? Oh, yes. I remember having the books for each city and having the map right? pulled out. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And pulling it out. Right. So, I, yeah, I remember it, you know, as a kid and, you know, taking family trips, you know, fast forward through some time. Do you remember getting on uh, online and, and finding MapQuest? Right. And then map questing your destination and then printing I that do. out. I do. Right. Uh, fast forward to today, we can enter in GPS with our cell phones or some of our cars might have that capability. You know, this new technology makes things a little bit better for us. Right. So, you know, it is it is just. Out it also there. gives us information that I think we should have discussed. Like if you read something, you're like, I don't know if I like this. Don't take that at face value. Bring that back up with your healthcare provider, because some of the stuff. It's not accurate. Some of the stuff may only pertain to you as a patient, but doesn't pertain to me. Um, hey, I, I wholeheartedly believe, yeah, thank you for um, bringing that out. Because yeah, but, yeah. we're in the age of Google and information overload is just out there. I agree. So, yeah, we, we have to be very cautious about the sources of information out yeah. there on the internet. Well, and I, you said it. Talk to your healthcare provider. Yeah, that brings a really good point. Aspirin. For yeah. years, I was told that you should take an aspirin a day. It'll, it'll be better for you, blah, blah, blah. We now know that's not true. That right. you should not take an aspirin a day unless you've had a heart attack or stroke right. or some issues. Yeah. But like, you know, if I've had nothing happen, by the grace of goodness, there's no wood around me to knock. Right. So I shouldn't be, ta- that's completely new in the last five, maybe eight years that maybe right. your dad took an aspirin a day, but now you're like, well, dad took one every day. I should do that. It, in other words, medicine doesn't stay the same. <laughs> it changes, right? You right. know, and I think that was one of the, the toughest things for people to get around, especially dealing with COVID, because COVID was new. The state of the art was changing constantly. True. We did so much research in such a little bit of time. The evidence that we were compiling was changing. We were doing, we were basing decisions upon what we knew, the evidence base. Evidence change 
So, you know, we have to adapt. We have to change right. the evidence. Well, and how quickly that, like, you know, as you talked about, it used to be, a, we didn't see a clinical trial for five years after it was done because it took forever for everybody to get to it and read it. Now I can Google the sucker and have it up in five. We can all read it on our phones while we're, you know, yes. it's the same is true for anybody out there with anything. That brings me to another thing. You, you talked earlier about cardiovascular disease. The second thing that you talked about that makes men kind of leave this world a little quicker than women, cancer. And the, yes. the screening ages have changed yes. dramatically. Yeah. So, okay, for dudes out there, think about it. What, what cancers take us out? Well, prostate, because yep. we have a prostate and women don't. Um, lung, colon, bladder, mm -hmm. and the one no one thinks about, which as, as a white Irish light-eyed dude, I am learning about right now from all the time I spent in the sun, not paying attention to my mother, telling me to put sunscreen on. Skin cancer is a big deal for absolutely, kids. absolutely. We thought it was we thought it was not a manly thing to do to put sunscreen on, you know, and 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 even for us folks with melanin, uh, well, a little bit more melanin, uh, we have to be you know aware of it as well. I just. Uh, at my last uh, annual wellness visit, um, you know, I, I let the doctor know, hey, I, I'm, I'm noticing this thing on, on my foot. Uh, right. So she looked at it, you know, it was a mole, it was getting a little big. So she said, yeah, I'm going to refer you to the dermatologist. Went to the dermatologist and the dermatologist said, yeah, we're going to go ahead and take that. Just because mm -hmm. we, we wanted to, you know, make sure that, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not cancer. Right. Uh, so I said, yeah, let's go ahead and take that. Um, let's make sure that's not that that's a good idea I like yeah, that. that's a good idea let's let's go ahead so now so now we got guys saying wait a minute you just told me I gotta go to my primary care now you told me I gotta go to the next person because they found something it's true and I hate to break it to you guys but as we age you're gonna know a lot more healthcare professionals I have found with every decade I meet a new one <laughs> you know in my 20s I had my primary care doc that's all I needed I hit my 30s I had my primary care doc then I had a specialist. It just keeps <laughs> going forward. Um, prostate cancer, I, you yes. know, it, it impacts African-American men at a higher instance than other men. Yes, it does. But the, so they move the screenings around, right? When should you get your first prostate screening uh, with, with the new guidelines? You remember? I think we're about 40. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So that means prostate screenings, guys, mean that they, they run a test called a PSA. And sometimes they have to do a, what we call a digital rectal exam, DRE, but get over it. Come on. You've been so drunk, you fall down and smack your head on the pavement. You'll be fine with a DRE. Um, I love it when men are like, oh, I'm a man. Oh, no, we're not doing that. I go, dude, prostate yeah. cancer are two seconds of in, just let it happen. Yes, yes. Um, and then they, they screen that pretty rarely. But if you have a family history, they're pretty good about follow-up on that too. Cause I know that with uh, African-American men, if there's a father that had prostate cancer, they're really aggressive about watching to make sure. Is that fair? Yes, that is absolutely fair. And you want to get a, a prevention, but then early detection. Yep. Early detection, the success is pretty, pretty amazing, yes, right? Yes. You have a much higher chance of getting through it if it's detected earlier yeah you know that's the one you know guys with a prostate they can identify with this obviously because it's sort of it, it's almost like women with breast cancer although men can get breast cancer as well it's not as prevalent and we certainly don't do mammograms yes uh, on a routine basis but prostate cancer is that holy male discussion about that gland that can turn to a cancer but if caught early 
knock it out and moves. Absolutely. The other thing sort of sort of everybody shares is colon cancer and the yes. the age changed there too. It just got younger, right? 45. Yeah, it was 50. Then I think mm-hmm. they had 45 for African-American population. And then they realized that it was too confusing. Yep. So now everybody, I think you should get your first colonoscopy at 45 or your first colon cancer screening. There are different ways to do it. Colonoscopy yep. is the gold standard. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I have people ask me about this all the time. Like, is it inconvenient? And I go, you know, to be fair, if it's somebody who's actually past the age of 45, um, they knocked me out. I had a great nap. I, I didn't, I didn't even know what happened. So I am 47 and I had one. Um, they put me out. Yeah. I had no idea what happened. And I woke up and it was a okay. They said, well, welcome back, Dr. Young. Yes. Yes. Yep. I'm telling you that it, it for I let my brain get ahead of me and worry about it more mm-hmm. than I should have because it was really. It was probably one of the easiest things I ever did because it was, they made me so comfortable, the, the people yes. who, who work. Um, yes. So, you know, if you guys are worried about that, make sure you've got to have your prostate checked if you're looking at the age of 40 and older. And if you have family history, even sooner. And then 45, you need, your, you need to be screened for colon cancer. And that's between you and your primary care provider, which how many, and, and you guys answer this yourselves, how many of you guys right now have a primary care provider that you see routinely that you know and like? Because don't wait until you need this. Find somebody you like and establish care because <laughs> there's nothing right. more frustrating than waiting six months to get the appointment and that brand yes. new person sends you to nine other people to get all this stuff done because you're behind. Yes, absolutely. Um, we talked about smoking earlier. One of the newer recommendations is if you are a smoker or a past smoker, they may want to look at your lungs now. That's not for everybody, but that's newer, right? Yeah, it is. It is. And again, you know, it's, it's all in this, this early detection. Yeah. Can, can we catch it early? Yeah. It's interesting you say that because it was once thought, oh, we don't have to worry about that, not look at it. But now with treatment and technology and the surgical intervention, the mm-hmm. earlier you come across things that are wrong, like a small place on your lung, it can be changed and rectified where 15 years ago, there was nothing, we didn't screen right. for it because there was nothing to do for it. Right. It's, it's, it's amazing. And I think the last one, we, we talked about this already with skin cancer, going in annually, you talked about your foot. I had I had two areas on my chest where sitting out in the sun lifeguarding when I was a teenager, you know, being red is the area that got burnt the most. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, I now look back and go, you know, that sunscreen didn't look half bad. I should put that on. Hindsight's <laughs> <laughs> 2020, gentlemen. I, I, I was like, when they, and, and that one didn't bother me, but the healing process bothered me. I couldn't move my arm without hurting the wound. I'm like, if I had just follow the rules. <laughs> I, I wanted to let you, let you all know out there too, in, in this podcast land, uh, sunscreen and sun protection is, is good for African-Americans and, and folks with, with darker skin as well. So I actually had a PharmD dermatologist on last month. If you guys have not heard that podcast, go back and listen to her. She works for dermatology at, at Emory and she is incredible. And she talks about how all skin tones, colors need to protect yes. themselves. And she talks about which SPF to use, why we do it. She's awesome. So pop back over and look at that podcast previous to this. She's, she rocks it, man. Back at, I'm like, I'm so pleased to see a pharmacist working in dermatology to, to help with stuff mm-hmm. like that. Absolutely. Um, so this brings, <laughs> we talked about prostates, talked about colon cancer, talked about skin, but there's also 
That's the healer. Yeah. I talked yeah. about mammograms earlier and women do self breast exams. The equivalent for our side are actually self testicular exams. Yes. So can we review how to do a self testicular exam? Because I don't, I think a lot of guys are like, uh, this sounds weird, but really it's not, it's kind of simple and straightforward. Yep. And you know, you can do it often. Uh, I think whether the numbers like one in every 250 males might experience testicular cancer and, you know, it's, it's, we can do it standing in front of a mirror. Yeah. Checking for swollen areas or around our, our scrotal skin or, you know, um, even in the shower, we can do some of the things in the shower. You know, we can examine, you know, hold the testicles in, in between our fingers and thumbs and roll them gently to see if we're noticing any lumps or any oh nodules, um, any things that are just inconsistently um, done. And, you know, I would say even if you don't, I mean, start now because you can feel what it, it feels like now. Yeah. And if we notice a change. This is something that... Um, my uh, friends who are women have taught me everyone's breast tissue may feel different. So knowing what your baseline breast tissue feels like lets you feel if something is wrong as you age. So starting now lets you feel what's normal for you. Yes. And that's also true for these, like your skin, watching your skin with mirrors, looking at this and paying attention to the areas that may look odd. This, you can do all this at the same time every month. You can do a skin check in the mirrors, and then you can do your self testicular exam and sort of make it the 15th of every month. I don't know. Yes. Make it your night. Yes. Light a candle, <laughs> draw a bath. Right. It's your night. But you, but your point is if you feel anything off, it doesn't feel quite right. It's different than last month. That needs to be looked at fairly quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other thing that people don't realize is testicles in general should feel smooth. There shouldn't be lumps and bumps and if you feel that you really, or if you have symptoms like where you can't pee very well or things aren't working well sexually, you need to get in and have that examined to make sure. <clears throat> Absolutely. Well, and that brings me, to, you know, that's self-help getting there. And we talked about taking medication, but you know where men are even worse? Getting their shots. And when you mean my shots, you mean those, those vaccines? Yes. Adult vaccinations, yep. You know, you we've know. got them as kids and we think, oh, <clears throat> We're impervious. We don't need anything else. But no, we, yeah. yeah, there are vaccines now that didn't even exist as a kid that I wish had existed. Yep. I wish there had been a chickenpox vaccine when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> but so I think the other thing too is talk about when you go in, you should be looking to make sure you're up to speed on your vaccines, right? Not just the flu, which is important, but others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, there's a list of, of those adult uh, vaccinations, you know, HPV, hep C, pneumococcal, tetanus, uh, shingles, if you're over 50, yeah. um, that flu vaccine. Um, these are all tools in that toolkit that we can use to ensure that we stay healthy. You know, interesting you, you bring it up. The one vaccine that kind of resonates with me is the HPV vaccine mm -hmm. because it prevents cancers. Yep. And they started out giving it to people that were younger and they've now progressed up to almost, I think the age of, it might be in your forties now. I have to go back and look, oh, but, but if, if you're someone out there and you think about this, cause it stops penile cancers, rectal cancers, uh, obviously cervical, cervical cancer for women. That's something that, that is such a brand new thought process that many of us don't even know it's out there. And then the other thing I'll tell you up front, hepatitis B. If, yes. you were, if you were born after 1990, they didn't give it to you at birth. And I'm going to share a thought with you that is just dead on. 
Hepatitis B is one of the highest sexually transmitted illnesses that we have. It is a mean virus. It's worse than HIV by far in terms of transmission, and we have a vaccine for it. And if you don't know that, you need to talk to your primary care, especially if you're out there having sex, you're not being monogamous. You need to, that's one, the HPV and the HPV, if you're sexually active and not being monogamous, holy cow, you should be looking at these. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, You brought up the shingles vaccine, man, that has changed the way we look at the chicken pox virus, right? You know, because the chicken pox virus is the one that gave us that. Yep. And it sits around and all of a sudden we get stressed, you know, when you're chair of a department and had that high fluting job like you. Because <laughs> uh, that shingles comes back. If anybody's ever seen a shingles outbreak, I would be running to the nearest drugstore, doctor's office I could find and be like, give me this vaccine. Yes. So if you're 50 and above, don't forget that that's out there too. I, I, I'm harping on this because I said something to my dad recently about vaccines. He's in his 70s and he looked at me and goes, I got all my vaccines when I was a kid. The concept of him going back to get a vaccine. It's not there. Right, right. So I, I just want you guys to think about this when you're in that office to, to if they say you need it, if you need this, go for yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. One of the areas that you said earlier about how we die faster the third area is unintentional. And that, I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's unintentional death. I think all, in, in my, in my world, I'm thinking, okay, define unintentional death. Like why do we as men die faster from this vague term? So yeah, it is a big term, right? So we have all these fancy fluting terms for th- different things. So we're talking about um, motor vehicle accidents. Oh. Um, falls, um, overdose, uh, deaths, uh, things of that nature. Yeah. I didn't think about, so overdose, golly, you want to talk about in the past, what, 10 years, the number of fatal overdoses that we've seen. Yes. I didn't realize that was more of an impact with men, but yeah, I mean, I can see how our death rate, that widening gap we talked about earlier, that may have a role in that too. Mm -hmm. Huh. Um, Do you know, do you remember that University of Georgia, we did that, that big programming about how to keep your friends and family safe if they're using narcotics? Oh, yeah. You remember that? The lot, yep, yep. Yeah. 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 So I don't think a lot of you guys know, there's a rescue medication that if you have a relative that's using, even if they, if it's prescribed and you're using it the way you should use it, they still say you should put this drug in your house. If you have a relative or someone that's misusing narcotics, you definitely want to put this in your house. It's a drug called naloxone, right, Dr. Young? Absolutely. Yes. One of the life-saving strategies out there, right? So if, you know, there are certain signs and symptoms uh, that, you know, someone might be going through and, you know, you pull out the naloxone, it just depends upon, um, you know, the, the form that you get. Um, but it, it, that medication can help save lives. It reverses like heroin, yes. fentanyl, yes. Oxycontin, Percocets. It, it reverses them, right? I mean, absolutely. Holy cow. Talk about yeah. mind blowing in terms of what you now have access to that if someone overdoses or they get too much medicine, this re- so they actually t- say, talk to your primary care doc, even if you're not the one using, you yes. can be the person carries it for them. Absolutely. Um, and I think some pharmacies you can walk in and pay cash and it's depending on which yeah. one you get, not horribly yeah. expensive. Yep. Yeah. You can absolutely right now it's available. Um, 
through in, in community pharmacies. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I stress this that sometimes it's not the person using, it's the people around them. Around so them. if you're listening to this, you think that I don't have that problem. Yeah. I get it. But if one of your no. kids, your spouse, your parents, if anybody's using narcotics, this is a great discussion point with your providers to figure out if you need to be that safety net. Absolutely. That That's a, you know, it, and you mentioned, um, you know, prescription opioids, right? Yeah. If you're using prescription opioids and you might take, you know, an extra one or something, it's good to have it just uh, as a safety valve. Yeah, I agree. And so prescription opioids, just so you guys know, Vicodin, hydrocodone, uh, Tylenol number three, yeah. um, Oxycontin, Oxycodone, Percocet. Those are the ones we're talking about. And, and they are, a lot of people have them in their medicine cabinets. I mean, they do. After knee surgery, a lot yeah. of people get, I mean, I'm not really calling people up knee surgery. It's just the one that hits my mind. A lot of people who get orthopedic surgeries yes. tend to have a short course of this afterwards. Yes, yes. Um, that sort of goes along with another question I want to ask you. You mentioned alcohol misuse. Mm -hmm. I've talked to several people doing this podcast over the past year about COVID and how that has changed socially how we do things. So if I'm home and not in a bar, I might pour myself an extra drink that in the bar I wouldn't have because I don't have to drive. There's no one watching me. And, can, and you don't have to pay for that extra drink, right? And I can pour the amount I want. Absolutely. Yes. So I want to remind y'all that Dr. Tackett was on in January, Randy Tackett. He talked about how much is too much. And you want to talk about me into that podcast, giving myself a once over. I give myself, I did a self-exam. I'm like, what am I doing? Is this right? Is it wrong? He was really great about framing that. Do you, do you have friends that you think, you, you think you got friends and you have escalated your alcohol use during COVID? Oh, absolutely. And mine too. Yes. Mine too. Yes. Yes. We were just talking about this the other day. I have more friends with full bars in their houses now that didn't have them before COVID. I was in a away this weekend with friends. And I cannot believe the number of people and how much alcohol they had in their house. And we were able to go to restaurants and stuff because it had become a norm to have that at the house. Yeah, I was just talking with a bunch of my buddies this afternoon. I mean, not, well, not this afternoon, but this weekend, this past weekend. And we were talking about how our budgets changed. And, you know, they were talking about that line item in their budget. And I said, did you shift it up? Yeah. That alcohol consumption? Um, so, yeah, it's definitely had an impact on, on things we do. Uh, yeah, and I think that stems from anxiety, yep. stress, depression, yep. mental health. And you want to talk about a group of people who refuse to believe they need help. Oh, absolutely. Us, yeah, we don't, you know, we don't need that. We, you know, we. Fine. Yeah, I'll, I'll wake up tomorrow. It'll be, we'll get through this. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Have, yeah. you seen the, have you seen the commercials? Which ones? So there's two that I, that there's one that's skydiving and his parachute uh -huh. just, it doesn't open. And the lady behind him says, grab onto me. I'll help you. And the guy goes, oh, I don't want to ruin your experience. I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, the dude's in a free fall towards earth. There's nothing that's going to stop his impact except this lady. Instead of taking her help, he goes, oh, I got this. I'm a man. I'll be fine. And then the other is a guy on a bench. He's trying to bench press and it, something happens. It won't go up. And a guy comes over and says, can I help you? And he goes, no, no, you don't know my family. Don't help me. And it, man, you want to talk about one that hit home because yes. our grandparents and maybe even our parents are like, you did what, what you're on what for what now pull yourself up and get on with it. You know? Absolutely. 
we should, you we have to fight that right i mean that yeah. you can't let what they consider to be mental health impact what you do to get your care it, it scares me that when people stop others there, there's so much stigma yeah. and just bad thoughts i mean you know we, we we have to catch ourselves too because when we see folks out there dealing with mental issues and mental challenges you know i i can all right so i'm gonna admit this um, you know, back when I was in elementary school, no, high school, um, you know, there's that hall and, and, you know, we didn't necessarily treat, you know, folks who are in those special needs classes right. you know, appropriately. Um, you know, folks have challenges and, yes. and we need to, and to have a little bit more compassion uh, about those challenges. So, so not only, you know, give out those negative kind of um, attitudes and things, you know, have some compassion, have some feeling. And I think we have to normalize. It's okay yeah. for men to seek help. Oh, absolutely. With their mental illness, with the, I would say illness, just mental. I mean, like oh, sometimes yeah. I, I, it drives me crazy when I'm talking to people and they're like, no, no, I'll, I'll get over it. It'll be fine. And I'm like, yeah. Will it, yeah. You haven't been yourself for two months. Yes. Yes. Everybody around you is miserable because you're miserable. Yeah. They're all worried sick about you and you're being a jackass about yeah. going to see somebody. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 and I think you you hit on a, a, an important topic too because as men, you know, we have friends. We see our we see our friends struggling. Yes, reach out and talk to your yes. friend and let them know it's okay. And let them know, absolutely. Yeah, I'm yes. with you. I'm with you. I have a good friend right now that is going through post COVID, incredibly depressed, can't get his health back, mm-hmm. and. We talked about him going to see somebody. He goes, oh, I did. I went over and I, I've seen, I saw my primary care again. I go, no, no, you need to be in with somebody who can talk to you and let you Absolutely. process this. Heck, go in and just spend 15 minutes yelling, being so frustrated. Absolutely. You know, when you're, when you're considered to be the strong one, which so many men feel they are, it's hard for yeah. them to admit they need somebody to sort of help them get through a, a rough Absolutely. time. I don't know. And it, it is so important for us to do it. You know, suicide is out there. And you know, suicide is is is. Yeah. What I read here it is Dr. Dr. Young, men die by suicide three point eight eight times more than women. I have that on my notes. Yep. And seventy percent of suicides in twenty twenty were white men with firearms, guns, accounting for fifty three percent of those deaths. Yes. So, not only do we know suicides out there, we know that that unaliving of men faster than women. Mm-hmm. This is playing a significant rate along with the alcohol use. And, you know, does this lead to the alcohol use or the use of a narcotic to sort of numb the pain? It does. Yeah. yeah, we self-medicate, right? Yeah. We self-medicate. I think seeking care in this, I, I don't know. I Do you feel it's, maybe I'm being stereotypical and I apologize. I feel like it's harder in those cultures in which the man is the hyper-masculine breadwinner. They can't really it be is. anything but. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I feel that a lot in the black community. When mm-hmm. I talk to my friends, yes. I feel that a lot in the Asian community mm-hmm. and certainly in the Latin community. I'm not sure. We're, about not, we're, we're not supposed to be weak. It's yes. being perceived as being weak. Yeah. I, I mean, I certainly th- see it with my, with friends that are white as well, but it's a little bit, I'll say it's hit or miss. It depends mm-hmm. on who they grew up with and where they are, but man, yes. I have some friends um, that are black and Admitting that they are not having a good day, not going to happen. Everything, right. Yeah. It, I worry sometimes about not recognizing your own need. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I worry about that. So we have talked a lot about men's health prevention, that we'd like to see the gap narrow and like to live as long as our women. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we'd like not to die, you know, and leave them on their own. Um, we've also talked about the fact that preventive health screenings, uh, asking for what's going on and checking yourself and being self-care. And then the last one, of course, is asking for help when you need help, no matter how that defines. So we've covered a lot. As always, you bring such great insight. Your background in the disparities and what happens with healthcare is, is astounding. Can you give our audience three takeaways for the last podcast of this academic year? What would you have? Hey, may I have, may I have four? You may can have, have four. as many as you want. How can I say no to a guest like you? <laughs> Thank you. This and, and, and what I want to say is it's it's all wrapped up within one concept. You know, uh, Dr. Hibbert and her colleagues, they developed or, or came up with this conceptualization of a, an active patient or patient activation. Okay. So, you know, I want to encourage everybody to be an active member or active participant in their own healthcare. And what that means is, one, you have to, you know, come to terms that, hey, your role in taking care of yourself is important. You got to have that attitude, right? Then you have to have the confidence and the knowledge to empower yourself to take action in doing those things. So not only having the attitude, but you, you got to have some, some knowledge and some confidence in your abilities to do it. Then you also have to take action. You have to do the things that you know you need to do to improve your health and stay wealthy and stay healthy. And then finally, you got to stay the course, right? We, we talk about, uh, you know, doing some things for one thing, but no, this is something that, that we have to consistently do and, and, you know, stay that course under, under stress and pressure. Yeah. I, I think so, the course, that Dr. Young, when you fall off the horse, you fall down, you don't do it yes. the right, get back up, start back over. Up. Absolutely. Yeah. That's Absolutely. something that sticks with me all my life. My dad says, you haven't failed until you stop trying. Yes. And uh, that, that sticks with me a great deal. Uh -huh. So th that was perfect. I love that, that summary. And for the guys out there listening and for the, everybody else listening, if you have a guy in your life, this is something they need to hear. And if they're not believing you, send them to the podcast. Yes. <laughs> Maybe you can you know, reaffirm what they're hearing from their relatives and those who love them. Yes. Uh, until September, I will see you guys then. Dr. Young, thank you so much for coming on board and, and doing Men's Health Month. That was great of you. You are so welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Just Absolutely. Me Anytime. I will be reaching out to you again the next year. For those okay. listening or watching. Uh, thanks for listening to Farmcast for the Community, sponsored by the University of Georgia's College of Pharmacy. As I mentioned, we're going to take a little break, come back in September, looking at ways that we can impact your health and answer your questions. Until then, be safe, enjoy your summer, and enjoy being with your family members. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.